Welcome to the Tucson Bitcoin Podcast. Today, my guest is Lucy Ciferello from Start9 Labs. She's a developer over there and helps create privacy-focused uh, applications um, integrated on a operating system built on top of a Raspberry Pi. So pretty much what that means is you buy this piece of hardware for a very inexpensive price and you get easy install of all these privacy-focused apps. So like if you want to run a password manager um, and self-host it instead of paying for somebody else to do it, or if you want to back up your files or run a Bitcoin node and a Lightning node, uh, you can use the Start9 Embassy. And uh, I got mine. I'm a big fan of it. It's you know really easy. Um, I've been using encrypted messaging services on it and uh, testing out some of the features. And it's just the easiest thing that I have come across in regards to uh, more privacy focused stuff because it, you know in reality our hardware is not very private you know our cell phones are are pretty much uh, just data tra- tracking minds for these large companies and, you know all the apps we use just uh, consume so much data on us um, and it's really time to take that back and to say that we're going to take our privacy into our own hands and that's Start Nine's vision, and it gets me really excited to see that there's a company out there that's so focused on this and making it so easy for the average consumer. Uh, but yeah, they're they're a new company, um, and they have a huge, ambitious roadmap ahead of them. Um, but yeah, in this conversation, we talk about why privacy is important and why Start Nine Labs um, is doing what they're doing, and it's really fun. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. Cool. We're recording. Um, really excited to have you on, Lucy. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, super happy to be here. Thank you for thank you for the invite. So I stumbled across Start Nine uh, like two or three weeks ago, and uh, somebody, um, an acquaintance, was telling me about Cups as an encrypted messaging service, and I was like, "How do I do this?" And I was searching and and found <laughs> Start Nine and. Uh, I was reading a little bit about your guys' mission. It, it immediately bought um, your super-powered Raspberry Pi um, cool. with with the Embassy OS, and I've been playing around with it. It's kind of fun to play around with the features. I haven't gone too deep into it yet, but I love the mission of the company. Um, so yeah, do you mind you mind explaining yeah, a little bit about what Start Nine's about? Absolutely. I'm I'm glad we got you hooked on that impression. Yeah, um, we're basically out to enforce um, self-sovereignty and particularly privacy through uh, creating a platform for open source technologies to run self-hosted applications for every individual. Um, And now there's a lot (laughs) packaged into that statement, right? Um, You know, like a question might be like, what's open source? Um, and I'm happy to like to dive into those things in more detail. But yeah, we're basically trying to be um, an enabler for for sovereign technology. Yeah, I one of the things they um, talk a lot about in computer science is around security. Um, the more secure and private you get, the more inconvenient it gets. And so, for for things like um, the embassy, where you can just uh, install things with one click and um, get it rolling really quickly without having to get into a command line. I think it's really uh, exciting for non-technical people, for sure. Yeah, that's a little bit of the origin story of this company in general is, uh, you know, we're a team of developers, first and foremost, uh, engineers, and we were, well, the founders were trying to set up a lightning node um, and, you know, everyone's pretty, pretty savvy and diving into it. It was hard. It was not something that was just very straightforward. There was a lot of configuration. There were a lot of dependencies, you know, you had to have Bitcoin running and particular permissions there. And um, this was a multi-day project for a very tech savvy individual, right? A team of individuals, actually. And you know, our, our CEO, Matt, was like, why is this this difficult? It shouldn't be this hard, you know? How, adoption's never going to happen if it's 
it requires this level of expertise and time to, to use this technology, right? And Lightning's amazing. It's going to be transformative for the Bitcoin space. Um, and it already is. And so he, yeah, the team started iterating like, okay, what can we, what can we do to make this easier, right? And lo and behold, we birthed the embassy, right? <laughs> um, and realized that it was, it was more capable than just uh, Bitcoin and blockchain technologies, right? There is actually a whole ecosystem of, of applications that could be run on a personal server like this that um, has never been done before. Yeah, I mean, it, it is really kind of fascinating. Look at all at all the different services that you can uh, plug in. And I definitely can testify to how uh, difficult it used to be to run a Lightning node. Um, <laughs> I, th I think in 2019, um, I spent about 60 hours um, trying to set one up on my little Raspberry Pi. And, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, and I failed. It was a lot of... Uh, time on GitHub and typing in a command line and, you know, loading different OSs. I tried Raspy Blitz. I tried it through Ubuntu. I tried it all sorts of different ways and um, couldn't do it. But like today it's, it's really easy um, to run it, um, you know, with products like Umbrel and MyNode um, and now with Start9. I, I haven't tried it yet um, because I, I'm already running too many nodes, but um, <laughs> I only have so much bandwidth at my house, but yeah. Yeah, we've, we've basically gone through that painful process and optimized it in a way that works really easily with a one-click install. Um, you're, you're guided through, you know, a really straightforward wizard, something that many people are very familiar with, with installing software. Um, and it's, it's there, it's running for you, right? You can uh, easily connect it to a wallet and just use it within minutes, right? <laughs> Which is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, so I saw in your bio on the website, um, it says you have a background in psychology. Uh, what got you more into the world of development? Yeah, um, for a long time I was going, well, yeah, uh, going down a path of pursuing a PhD. I was um, working as a therapist and um, you know, in practice, that world just ended up not being for me. Um, I, I saw myself really struggling. I'm a very empathetic person <laughs> and I um, pour a lot into what I do. And it, it became very apparent that it was very, very draining for me. And it was not something that uh, actually in, in practice came the most easily for me. Um, now I'm not one to shy away from a challenge by any means, but I just saw how my mind worked and how um, I wasn't sure if this was the best route for, for me to really make a difference in the world. Um, I did a little bit of soul searching uh, in, in the days that I realized this and um, I had a, uh, several miscellaneous jobs and I was actually working at Nordstrom at the time. And I met a developer, a woman who I helped, she was like, listen, I don't know anything about fashion. I have this event I have to go to. And we just got to talking and I was helping her pick out this awesome dress. And um, she started telling me about the startup she worked for and what she does. And I was just immediately intrigued. I was like, just had never really been exposed to this, this space before. Um, I always did really well in, in math and science. And I actually, remembering back to computer science class in as just a requirement in college, and it was so easy for me. I was like, oh, this, why are people struggling with this, you know? Um, so I started playing around and I just got hooked. I just, I, I loved the process of thinking through coding and developing something. Um, it just, it, it's really suited for how my mind works. Um, and yeah, I love just solving problems and making things easier for people and beautiful at that. Uh, and yeah, a couple of years and working different developer jobs, I, I stumbled upon the, the same team that I'm working on now. And um, yeah, we've, we've been a, a group of people who've been working together for a couple of years and it's, it's, it's awesome. I absolutely love what I do. Yeah, so pretty much you got fed up with uh, being a therapist and learned to code. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess, um, you know, I like to be in my own headspace a bit. Um, just like going deep on something and, and solving a problem um, individually is, is something that works really well for me, you know. Uh, as a hobby, I, I also do ceramics. So again, that's something that's just very, you know, one stream of, of mine that's very individual. Um, works well for me. Nice. Yeah, I have a background in social work and I spent about seven years doing that and hit a brick wall eventually. It's a, yeah, I mean, what was problematic for me was not like working with hurting people, but dealing with all the, the problems of the industry itself. Um, and you know, just like seeing how the insurance model is kind of dehumanizing people and, um, it was like, you know, the work is great and rewarding. It feels good to sit down with people in painful places and kind of walk through and, and help them. But man, the, the, the fiat disease, that's a, I, what was my major turning point was reading the Bitcoin standard and seeing how everything is tied to the way that money works. And, uh, it just blew my, my mind. Um, it's like, we can actually solve a lot of these issues. Um, if we, uh, get Bitcoin into people's hands or get sound money, Bitcoin being yeah. the best option. Absolutely. Um, retrospectively for me, um, there was a lot of pieces of this bubbling back then too. And I didn't really have a, a way to put it right um, until I kind of got more involved in this space and saw uh, what these technologies could really enable for people, you know, um, like, like you kind of said, it, it, it's not so much being like, I wasn't necessarily fed up with being a therapist. It was a bit bigger than that, right? Um, I didn't feel like my contribution was like as effective as it could be. And and it just didn't necessarily align with, um, yeah, I guess kind of how I was thinking about things at the time, right? <laughs> Sorry mental tangent there. <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's difficult work because it's kind of like you're working in an emotional, um, uh, emergency room almost. And like, you know, a lot of, a lot of the issues take years and years to build up to, uh, for these people to be willing to come and, and fix them where, um, that, that was my struggle at least is like, it, it feels like we're not actually addressing societal issues. Um, yes, totally. There's, there's a more systemic problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, one of the, are you familiar with, I, I'm assuming you are, but are you familiar with the, uh, um, cypherpunks manifesto? I'm familiar. I haven't read it. It's, it, it's a, a really, really great piece. And when people, uh, you know, the average person doesn't really understand the importance of privacy or really understand how much data uh, they leak and just like basic things like carrying their phone around with them or swiping a debit card, um, you know, but the very first paragraph, it says privacy is necessary for an open society in the electronic age. Uh, privacy is not secrecy. Um, and I think that's a really good um, distinguishment and because uh, the difference between secrecy and privacy. Um, how, how do you think that privacy is important and what the work that Start Nine's doing is important for um, a free and open society today? Yeah, something that you know we're, we're really trying to focus on is privacy as the default, right? It, it's, there is a choice to participate, right? And just giving people that choice um, in the matter I think is very important, right? Um, and privacy is kind of packaged into this whole notion of being uh, sovereign in general, right? Um, and we're basically trying to sell digital sovereignty here. Um, and yeah, it's it's this it's this derivative of of sovereignty, right? It's it's not the whole picture of it, but it is an essential piece of. Uh, basically having your freedom, right? The, of, of having the choice to, to participate in the manner that you want to and to have your data um, be not just permissioned like it is right now with 
um, many applications that you might use or even you know your entire Apple or Google phone, whatever, whatever you might have. Um, it's, it's really an inalienable, inalienable <laughs> right to your, your self-sovereignty. Um, go back to the initial question that you asked. I think I tangented slightly there as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, just why is privacy so necessary for a free and open society today? Yeah. Um, it's necessary because it's really this the fundamental human right, in my opinion, and in in Start Nine's mission as well. Um, it's there's this interesting play of trust right now in our society, right, where we're trusting third parties to handle things, to handle our data, to make it more convenient for us, right? They're providing a service. And with that service comes a sacrifice. And what we're sacrificing is our privacy, right? Um, now, that's fine. And that's been a, a necessary step in the evolution of, of technological progress, right? But it's, it's not going to persist. Um, and the reason that it's not going to, and this very much ties into the notion of, of why our society uh, is moving to more decentralized models in general, right? Um, with giving up your privacy, you are you're sacrificing um, a sense of of security in a in a way, right? Um, you're giving power to these central organizations in a way that they can use and manipulate it to suit their own needs, their own economic needs. Um, and that's not necessarily in the best interest of their users and people in general, right? So to have a more free and open society, this centralized model of things generally needs to be broken down. Um, and that can come in many different forms from money to even communities as we know it yeah i mean it, it it's really important i mean we have we have things like rule of law and due process in our country um being a, a real fundamental part of uh um why we've been able to enjoy so much prosperity is because you know people can't just go into your home and take you and throw you into prison uh because they don't like what you're doing or saying you know it it these inconveniences for authorities should be as inconvenient as possible to make it as difficult for them to um, arbitrarily like just take people out. And there's kind of a major erosion, you know, of that right now of the importance of, of due process with, you know, just the mob mentality. I see it on Twitter a lot where um, people will go and just absolutely attack somebody um, based on uh, um, maybe something that's misunderstood. You know, it, it happened in uh, Tucson to a small coffee shop where um, the county didn't like them for some reason. So they put a picture of them as being an uncompliant business on their wall and that picture got leaked. And then next thing you know, the, all the employees are getting death threats, you know, directed at them and their kids. Oh, wow. um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty scary um, to see that just the way, but but the importance of, of due process and, and rule of law of people being innocent until proven guilty and the government, government um, well, they, they already do it, but not mass surveilling us and, and breaching those uh, things is kind of important um, because the, yes. because what always happens is the minority gets attacked um and taken out which whichever you know is the minority at yeah. the time oftentimes because they're a convenient scapegoat scapegoat right for for the bigger purpose of infusing fear and and maintaining the current power structures right um which <laughs> it's difficult to be disruptive of but um incredibly important 
Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that I find amazing about Bitcoin is it's not about waiting around for the government to do the right thing. It's, it's about taking power into your own hands and supporting your own self-sovereignty. Um, yes. Because it's pretty, like for the average person, like they just don't have the ability to do that with fiat money. Um, and it's really difficult with different technologies. Like um, yeah, I was listening to, are you familiar with NVK um, from CoinKite? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was listening to him talk about um, privacy issues on smartphones, and it's like impossible to have privacy on on your smartphone. Um, yeah, unless you, you know, and root it, root it, install something like Graphene OS, and you basically just give up a lot of convenience, right? It it, it is possible, but at a, at a at a <laughs> at an inconvenience. You know, we're on, we're definitely on a mission to, to kind of meld those two things together, right? We see a long future ahead of us where we're hopeful that we can both create software and technology that is entirely sovereign, but in a way that doesn't sacrifice that convenience right now. Um, there's a lot of difficulties to overcome there, right? Um, but yeah, sounds like a fun challenge. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's super interesting. So, what what are some good ways that uh, individuals can start uh, protecting their privacy a little bit better? Yeah, um, you know, using something like for, for for things that you care about, say like photos is a good example, right? Um, something that's really personal. Um, could even be considered like sacred to an individual in some ways. It's not really something that you want splattered across the internet or stored on someone's, some random corporation server somewhere, right? It's, it's a very intimate thing. Um, using a, a self-hosted cloud-like service such as File Browser um, is something that enables you to keep a backup of your pictures so you have them in your personal possession. Um, and you could, you know, keep them for all time, right? It, it 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 gives you that sense of privacy. Like this is something that, yeah, it's my private life. I don't think that I need to, you know, have that data distributed across, you know, the world unless I want it to. And again, there's coming back to that choice, right? You should be, each individual should be enabled to have the option to interact in the internet in a private manner with every piece of technology that's out there, right? From, from email to, to cloud services, to, um, to messaging, to, to social media, right? Like there is an equivalent for just about everything out there that you can do in a self-hosted or federated way, right? Um, you know, it's funny, it goes, it goes back to almost like a very primal way of, of of doing primal back in the day when you used to want to communicate to someone you would go meet them in person and have a conversation right and with the influx of of technological advancement that we've made like communication has become this instantaneous thing that you can do across distances right but it could be at the sacrifice of of your privacy like um emails through google at this point like they basically can they have a record of every single message that was sent there right um so having a, a secure messaging way like we prototyped cups for this purpose or if you want to uh have kind of a, <laughs> a like a one-time message that you send to someone right like um kind of like how snapchat did it but in a more you know photo based or uh written form, you could do something like, a, they call it a pastebin service, where you basically have a one-time link to view something. Um, we literally called this burn after reading, is a service that we made ourselves, where you could send someone a one-time message and it burns after they read it, right? Which is pretty cool. We're kind of like getting back to this, this basic way of communicating, but enabled through, through technology, which is so cool to me, right? Um, and I really see the future of, of individual privacy is, is taking, taking these applications, taking 
the advancements that we've made as a as humanity and bringing them back to the individual yeah yeah that's the, i mean those are awesome services that a lot of people have sensitive pictures that they don't want leaked out everywhere <laughs> and so to self-host it that that definitely makes sense um or just having alternatives from uh monopoly cloud services is huge like i was looking at Nextcloud, um, yeah. which seemed like a pretty cool um pretty cool service for sure um and it's not and ter terribly difficult to to implement yourself too which is i mean i think that's probably the biggest uh roadblock for normal people to be interested in these things is they're worried about convenience um above all else yeah yeah it's not it's not easy to you know even if a a github repository makes it really straightforward to run something yourself you know even just getting to the, and navigating that website in general requires a, a level of domain knowledge right now there's people that are adventurous and i immensely respect that um but that shouldn't be the default right it, it this being able to participate in a private and self-sovereign way shouldn't be difficult and um right now it, it is to a large degree um until technologies like the embassy become mainstream yeah yeah i i, I think um wh when did you guys launch as a company it was the fall of 2019. nice yep so not nice. that long yeah i mean it's I, i'm excited to see uh what the reception is at all of these conferences coming up i think it's going to get a lot more popular um, here pretty soon. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to be fun. I mean, people want this stuff. Like I, I talk to people all the time that, you know, ask me questions about running Bitcoin nodes um, and uh, just having, I mean, this is typically what they want is like something that you can just press a button with. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it's super easy right now with um, um, loading on an operating system onto an SD card and plug it into your Raspberry Pi. But um, even for some people, it needs to be a little bit easier than that. Um, There's like a couple different tiers, right? And we're, yeah. we're working through them. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, but I mean, it, it's exciting too, because it's really opening the door for a whole new market of people that might not have been able to do this before. Um, yeah, and I think that education is a huge piece of this too, right? Like that's awesome that people are just asking you about running a Bitcoin node. I feel like that that just shows that there's an understanding of the importance and contributing to the network as a whole, right? Which maybe wasn't a mentality even a couple a couple of years ago, right? Like I feel like there's this fundamental shift going on in society where we're realizing that this centralization of, of data of, of power is ultimately going to lead to the to its demise right like we have to take this back um in an individual way for 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 survival right for for individual survival and i think as as you know as a as a society right um yeah I um, was in a group and we we're talking about how there's pretty much no institution today that is widely trusted. Um, and we were trying to come up with three and it was really, really difficult to do that. Um, and I think part of it is because there's an imbalance of power. Like when you give people tons of power over you, the uh, chance of it being abused is raised quite a bit um, versus like, having some sort of self-sovereignty um uh people have a lot less power on you and you you have a lot less trust to to give you know the the counterparty for sure um which is uh you know a really interesting relationship and you know i explain this to people a lot like how the relationship with the world changes when they have savings in bitcoin you know when they're able to hold it uh hold their own keys um 
and how it's not like i mean people don't really people are surprised to to learn that the money in the bank isn't really theirs they it's just an <laughs> iou that um you know can be taken from them at any moment or or restricted um and uh i mean it's it's pretty incredible um for sure so what why do you think people should be running their own nodes yeah, um, well, like I mentioned, it's important to participate in the network. And the reason for that is so that the network could be more secure. You know, the more people that are uh, running nodes that are validating transactions, um, A, the more redundancy there is, B, the, yeah, there's just more uh, validation um, occurring across the network space. Um, for you individually, it's important because if you're running a fully validating node, it means that you know for sure what the ledger of transactions is, right? Like at any point in time, you could prove what has gone on out there. And there's, I don't know, that makes me feel nice inside, right? That like, I know what the state of the Bitcoin network is. Like, that's pretty cool. I can't say that about certain governments, right? I can't even say that about my own bank account. I can't, I don't, I don't know where that money has actually been gone, right? Um, been going to. And so there is there is a sense of like uh, security almost there in knowing that, you know, cool, I, I can double check this stuff um, by, by running code that I set up myself. Um, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a huge, huge thing. You, you essentially become your own central bank and you have yeah. full control, um, which is hugely different. Um, I mean, the the average person, you know, is like surprised when I tell them that buying Bitcoin on Robinhood is not a good idea, um, because the whole point of Bitcoin is not to like invest in like a stock and just watch it go up. It, the point of it is to be able to like bypass all of these different institutions and cut the middlemen out. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the, one of the most exciting things I think is in Bitcoin is um, BTC Pay Server and the way that changes things for um, uh, uh, merchants accepting Bitcoin. You know, where they go from using a payment processor in a bank and you know all of these other services that they they place trust in to being able to just accept it themselves. And <laughs> it's pretty incredible. Yeah, for sure. it's they've built an amazing piece of technology. Um, it's something that we use internally and it's something that we're launching on the embassy very soon. Um, yeah, uh, it's probably one of my favorite pieces of tech out there. It's just incredibly powerful, so easy to use and just the amount of customization and integration that you can do with it. It's just, it's just, it's really changed the space, right? Like it, you could set that up, host it yourself, create an invoice for anyone to pay you with um and receive bitcoin or lightning payments instantly it's it's incredible um yeah and this is something that could easily be set up for mom and pop shops too right they don't have to worry about even setting up you know a complicated wallet infrastructure like a lot of this just gets taken care of for them they just have their wallet they have their private key and they're they're good to go now this is an important piece that kind of comes back to uh, maybe uh, the one caveat of, of privacy, right? And digital sovereignty in general is you have to remember your password. Uh, for Bitcoin, you know, you have to remember your, your seed. That, that is the one piece of responsibility that you are <laughs> eternally responsible for. Um, and yeah, I guess, I guess that's just, you know, the one caveat to decentralization even in general too, right? For everything to work, you have to participate in, in that thing. Yeah, um, American HODL was describing uh, using Bitcoin as like learning how to drive. Um, and it's like really intimidating at first. So you practice like, you know, when you start driving, you're not gonna go out on the highway right away. Um, you would start driving in a parking lot and then you know eventually go on the street and you probably go during times when there's not as much traffic 
um, and, and work your way up. And I think that's good with Bitcoin, you know, and it's like, if you can like keep track of your car keys, then you can keep track of your private keys. Um, and yeah, it definitely is practice as a huge paradigm shift for a lot of people that, that rely on the convenience of trusting other parties for sure. But it, it is very, um, doable for the average person, a hundred percent. Um, I like that term paradigm shift shift and you're totally right. It's, it's absolutely doable. Um, and I forever encourage people to, to go down the rabbit hole, you know, start reading, start, um, asking questions and reaching out to resources like your podcast to, to gather more information and to, to learn about, you know, not only this space, but all of those nooks and crannies within society that might not be immediately apparent or uh, might not be immediately apparent as, uh, you know, a lot of things just kind of have a bandaid on top of them, right? Have you ever lifted it up and looked at the scab that's healing under there? (laughs) Um, Sometimes it's full of pus and you gotta do something about it. (laughs) Sorry for the gross example, but yeah. No, it's a good, it's a great example. You know, like our, our entire society has been putting band-aids on bullet wounds for a long time <laughs> and you know, it's, it's not working very well. It's pretty gross. If you look underneath at the way <laughs> things are happening. Yeah. And that, and that's one of the great things about, um, you know, Bitcoin is it, it's for many, like I wouldn't have been thinking about privacy a whole lot. Um, I mean, it's something I was like a little bit concerned about, like putting, uh, um, uh, stickers on my webcams, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, you're, um, you're, that's a good one. <laughs> I do that. Yeah. You're, I, if you go and watch anything with Edward Snowden, you know, your, your uh, view on technology might change a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, Bitcoin uh, is one of those things that it forces people to address a lot of assumptions that they've made and might not know yeah. that they made, you know. To understand. And, and to start asking questions like wait how is this really working yeah it's a lot of people don't don't really think um to even ask those questions or know the right questions it, it, it's really funny um uh sitting on clubhouse and hearing new people come into the rooms and and ask questions about like you know what happens if there's a solar flare or a nuclear war you know will the bitcoin network be be gone and they're or like you know focusing on on the fud that the mainstream media directs at uh mm-hmm. at bitcoin that is just not very um well thought out or well researched and uh it, it it is definitely exposing you know the the assumptions that people have and don't realize they have about things like you know who goes into a bank account goes to open a bank up account and ask what happens to them if a solar flare comes through or an EMP blows up. Well, that's like, another good reason for, for running your own node too, is <laughs> say that does happen. You already have the entire history. You know what's there. It doesn't get destroyed. You know that, that unless your house gets blown up, your physical copy of it does get destroyed, yes. But again, there's redundancy throughout the network. That's the cool thing. It's not just sitting on one server somewhere for someone to... A, manipulate or B, to delete. Yeah, that's why you back up your private keys in a secure way. Um, yes. you, have a, you have a physical copy on it because even if like an EMP comes through and destroys your node or destroys your wallet or your phone or wherever you have it stored, um, you'll have a physical copy of your private keys to, to back it up and, and start using it again once the infrastructure gets back. But you know, and it will come back because it's indestructible. Yeah, the 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 logical thing to do in that standpoint is to make sure that you have water and guns. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yep, water, guns, and your private key. Yeah, and your private <laughs> private keys on steel plates or or however you do it. Yeah. Yeah. So so you said um, you guys are working on uh. Uh, BTC pay server. Is there anything else in the works coming soon? Yeah, we're we're working on a big um, operating system upgrade in general that's going to enable so much more. Uh, particularly, it's going to enable um, 
uh, external hard drive support, which just gives us a whole a whole world of new possibilities that for the, for you know more resource intensive operations services that um, require additional backup space like other blockchains um, that are privacy focused um, you know more substantial uh, cloud backup services as well um, we have a pretty <laughs> ambitious roadmap that's on our website too of all the things that we're hopeful to implement. It's kind of hard to say um, a specific timeline for things um, because, you know, as we start working on them, things come up that we realize uh, need to kind of happen in the operating system first. Um, oh, a big uh, thing for us is getting matrix on the embassy that's something we're super stoked about um, and it's highly dependent on one of their um, one of the the implementations called conduit I actually just read today that they got funded so they're hoping to get that project um, flushed out ready for production use I think within six months which is amazing uh, we can't wait to put that on the embassy matrix is basically a self-hosted um, communication platform like Telegram like Slack, um, it does all the things, it has every feature you can imagine, and it's awesome. It's, it's, uh, we use it internally for our uh, internal communications, and uh, I love it. I think it's really fun. Um, they have a really cool way of verifying your sessions to make sure that it is indeed you talking to that other person. Um, and between your, your different devices as well. Um, Hope everyone can check that out when it's launched. Yeah, that's great. I mean, we're we're seeing a need for that, um, and some some people are like really gung ho, like Jimmy Song, who um, has their um, he has his PGP key on his Twitter bio, which is necessary because there's so many scammers. I had a Jimmy Song scammer <laughs> oh, yeah. um, chatting with me on Twitter, and I was kind of trolling him because he was asking which. Uh, altcoins i trade and i was like oh yeah this is not jimmy song um, <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> and i told him about that and it was pretty funny um but uh it it um yeah no the 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 need to verify who you're speaking with and communicating with um virtually is really important you know just like yeah. basic stuff like websites you know there's all sorts of like url spoofing and and stuff like that yeah for sure. Um, I think it's going to become increasingly more important too. And again, like it's a pretty highly technical thing to do at this point. So I, I really enjoy the way that Matrix did it. They made it really fun. Um, and yeah, I, I hope that there continues to be education around around these pieces too, right? PGP keys, right? Like what does that even mean <laughs> for, for a lot of people that's like a foreign language? Um, yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. It is uh it is kind of difficult um to get into. But yeah, I mean the roadmap does look pretty ambitious. Um <laughs> thank you. I, I I just I didn't find it the last time, but yeah, you've got Nextcloud on there, which looks uh which I'm excited for for sure. Yeah, same. I mean <laughs> Nextcloud um Piehole would be pretty cool too. It's actually something that I have set up on my home network um just haven't integrated into the pi infrastructure yet but it works great it's particularly nice for my mobile device um just not to have ads pop up as frequently it's really cool yeah i need that 100 <laughs> percent. i um i don't know i use uh brave browser and uBlock, um which is great and all but i need to take it up a notch it'd be nice not to get all the stupid ads on my apple tv it drives me insane uh, yeah but yeah i think that would totally work i don't have an apple tv but i would imagine yeah it's not it's network wide it's home network wide yeah yeah it's um the the amazing things you can do with raspberry pies that's like a whole i i am kicking myself because when i was um was taking a class at the local community college like five years ago and one of the it was a biology class and one of the teachers was trying to 
convinced me to join the STEM class to play around with Raspberry mm. Pis, and I missed a great opportunity to um, learn about the stuff that I'm now just learning. <laughs> so it's um. I think everyone has a history of missed opportunities there, and it's it's usually on the second time around that you get hooked, right? Um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have that that Bitcoin story where they're like, oh yeah, you know, I heard about that, but I didn't do anything about it then, or um, you feel like you missed the boat a little bit, but it's never too late. There's always there's always a point, um, a starting point, and I don't care if you're 17 years old or 87 years old, you know, it's not too late. Yeah. So like maybe for somebody that's younger listening to the podcast, um, you went through the journey of becoming a developer. What, what would be some uh, suggestions you'd give for people that are looking to go into that space? Yeah, um, try it out. You know, there's a lot of fun coding apps or um, courses online, like through Code Academy or um, Scratch Labs is, is really fun one that's a little bit more interactive. Um, just kind of getting your feet wet and, and seeing what it's like to work through the logic that's involved with, with development. Um, um, I actually went through a coding bootcamp school um, that kind of propelled me into this space. And, you know, if this is something that really intrigues your interest, if you feel like it's, it's fun and engaging and mentally stimulating, um, I would highly recommend um, either, yeah, if you're post-college or even not considering going to, a, you know, a, a four-year college, consider a code school. It's, it's a great kind of on-ramp to um, get into the space and have an awesome network of resources, too, and, and like-minded people that can kind of help you transition into a career. Um, yeah, I think that's been a great piece too, as I've met so many fascinating people in the technology space and I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that for the world. Yeah, it's definitely one of the more interesting uh, groups of people and what's awesome about it too is just the online presence and uh, yeah. yeah, you have, you have a, a global network, you know, you have a, a whole community of people that you can engage with and you know, I'm not going to lie, it's it's definitely challenging. It's hard. And um, being able to have a place where you can go and ask questions like Stack Overflow or um, even just, you know, uh, channels online like Slack channels or Telegram channels or Matrix channels um, of, of community members. Like, don't, don't be hesitant to ask questions. I mean, I've asked a million questions. I still ask questions every single day. Um, there's, there's never a stupid question and it's, it's only in the pursuit of gaining more knowledge, right? So just, just don't be afraid. Just do it. I want to correct you there. There are stupid questions like what will happen <laughs> if to the Bitcoin network, if there's an EMP or solar flare, I'm so tired of that. <laughs> All right, or should that. I buy Dogecoin? I'm so tired of that one too. <laughs> No, you should not buy in, Dogecoin. Well, I meant in the pursuit of, of uh, um, intellectual knowledge. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it's a really humbling experience to enter into something. And I think it's something that people struggle with is like entering into a field where they know nothing about and feeling yeah, like yeah, that. Well said. Yeah. It's, it's humbling. It's, it's challenging. It's scary. There's a lot of imposter syndrome, but man, do I feel capable and, and yeah, just uh, for me, it's, it's engaging, right? Like I, I absolutely love just working through problems and, and manipulating technology to make it easier for people to interact with it and with the world, right? Like that is inspiring to me on a daily basis. And, um, yeah, I just, I love that I actually have the tools in my toolkit now to be able to build and create that future for the world. Yeah. Yeah, the user interface people are some of the, the best people in the world that are um, making it a little bit easier for the, the average person. Absolutely. <laughs> they have a hard job, um, but it's, it's an incredible skill to be able to, you know, think through the design process like that. Yeah. 
hundred percent. Um, where are some good places that people can follow your work? Yeah. So you can check us out on Twitter, start nine labs. Um, that's probably our main source of, of, uh, connection. We also have a telegram channel, um, and obviously a matrix channel too. Um, you can find all that information on our website, although at the bottom, there's a community section that gives you the links to join our tele telegram, uh, matrix and, uh, follow us on Twitter. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. Hell yeah. It's been absolutely awesome chatting with you. Big thank you to Lucy for coming on. That was a really fun conversation, just diving into the importance of self-sovereignty and um, privacy. You know, privacy is a pillar of uh, a free and open society, as it says in the Cypherpunk Manifesto, which is a must read. If you haven't read it, I, I think it's a great uh, background is written in 1992 and it pretty pr much predicts um, everything that we're experiencing today you know and if we take our privacy into our own hands just in the same way that we take money back into our own hands um, it really protects the individual and it pushes back against the surveillance security state that we see ourselves in today and it's just super super important and start nine is breaking down the barriers that that makes it difficult for normal individuals to do these things because you know realistically it's just so time consuming and, and inconvenient to be practicing uh privacy oriented uh practices you know it's just it's it, just like everything else it's a rigged game where um the difficulty to get ahead and, and to protect yourself is just so difficult and that's why i love this company and i love their vision and i hope you go check them out but yeah make sure to get to your local bitcoin meetup we have them going in tucson phoenix um if you're somewhere else in, in the country feel free to reach out to me if you need help getting connected with bitcoiners in your area um got a great network of people all over the country that are really trying to educate people and uh, get them tools to be a little bit more independent and self-sovereign and it's really really exciting uh, because we're seeing real changes like people's lives are being changed by Bitcoin uh, right now and you know if you don't think that's true then go watch my last interview with Mike Peterson from Bitcoin Beach down where a small town in El Salvador has just been radically changed by using Bitcoin as their kind of default currency and it's just so exciting um, but yeah thanks for watching this um, hope you have a good one